Our Old Testament lesson this morning is Psalm 86. If you would like to read with us, you can find it in the Old Testament on page 544. Listen with me for God's holy word. Incline your ear to me, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am devoted to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all day long. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call on you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my cry of supplication. In the day of my trouble, I call on you, for you will answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and bow down before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to revere your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, the insolent rise up before me. A band of ruffians seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the child of your serving girl. Show me a sign of your favor so that those who hate me may see it and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Here ends our first reading. Our second reading from scripture today is drawn from the letter of Paul to the Philippians. This is that great encouragement uh, letter that Paul writes. It's always useful for us to remember that when we read an epistle in the scriptures, we're overhearing someone's communication. We're reading in on someone's story. And in this passage in particular, there are some names of individuals that are brought forward as uh, Paul is encouraging people to live out the faith. We're moving through a, a series of sermons in which we are thinking about how we practice and live out the particulars of our faith. And here you'll hear the way in which Paul is giving specific advice to some members of the church in Philippi. Let us hear God's word. My brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Aodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement 
and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone, for the Lord is near. And do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things and keep on doing the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. This is the end of our reading from Holy Scripture for this day. May we reflect well upon our lives and our lives of prayer together. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Well, Amy just leaned over and said, boy, that's a gorgeous hymn. It's, it's beautiful. And uh, I'm going to share a word uh, near the end of our worship about some prayer for some folks that we've been supporting that we, we pray for wholeness. What a good day to be praying for that, too, as we're celebrating our care fair. Well, uh, today I want to carry us forward in uh, the second of three in our fall series on putting God first in our heart, our home, and for humanity. Today we're focusing again on putting God first in our home, and by this I mean the practices of the faith that we live in day by day. And today we're going to take a look at what in many ways is at the heart of the most essential of all Christian practices, namely our life of prayer. And the passage I want to focus on with you is found in the fourth chapter of Paul's great encouragement letter to the Philippians. And I'm choosing this letter because it is so positively practical. It's in this, if I was giving you a longer sermon series on prayer, well, then I'd probably have one sermon on praise, another on confession, on thanksgiving, intercession, supplication. But at the heart of this passage, in verse 6 of this chapter 4, we see the two most common moves in our prayers. Our petitions, like that list of petitions that we just we're singing about in our hymn, and then our thanksgiving, some of the praise and adoration that will come in our closing hymn. Now, I, I say this passage is positively practical because Paul is bringing to center stage these beloved sisters in Christ, Aodia and Syntyche. You know, I had to go to seminary to be able to say those names properly. Now, just step back and remember, I said that these are 
this is a letter we're reading in on. How'd you like to be Aodia and Syntyche if you knew that people would be talking about your squabble that you had with each other for centuries on end ever since, right? But here's what Paul's doing. He's writing to them and he's laying out the challenge saying that they've been working with him and they're struggling. They're struggling with each other and by extension they're also struggling in their faith. And Paul asks, help these women who have struggled. Struggle together with me in the ministry of the gospel. Now, I want to begin by uh, repeating a line from a classic hymn that asks, have we trials or temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Well, of course we do, right? We all have struggles, and all of us carry burdens each and every day. Our old hymn says we should never be discouraged and take it to the Lord in prayer, but we do grow discouraged, let's be honest. Anyone who's carried the faith long enough knows that we have to carry it as a constant practicing work in which we work to change our challenges towards new possibilities of the grace of God for us. Listen for a moment to the way Thomas Merton took his struggles to God in his classic prayer. He prays, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. You ever prayed like that? I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that my desire to do your will pleases you. He places his trust in God. I love the honesty of Merton's prayer here. I love it because it seems that every day I hear someone in our congregation or in my family or, or a colleague near or far express anxiety, their worry over struggles that are confronting them. And even if we're relatively at peace, one look at the news and the world can fill us with anxiety right away. Paul says, bring all your requests, your prayers and petitions to God. Now for writer Rick Hamlin, Thomas Merton offers his model for prayer. Now Rick is the editor of Guidepost magazine. He lives and works in New York City. And if you were to pick out a model for the spiritual life while living in New York City, well, I don't think Thomas Merton would be your natural choice, if I'm going to be frank about this. How many of you are familiar with Thomas Merton? Anyone? Thomas Merton was an American Trappist monk whose contemplative life actually did change perspective for many leaders and laborers alike in the 20th century. Merton lived on a farm in Kentucky. 
That was his abbey for his spiritual practice. He savored silence, communicated in letters, and lived his final days as a hermit. Now, Rick Hamlin, this writer, admires Merton, and he lives in New York City. And he commutes by subway to and from work. He checks his phone constantly for emails and messages. He's married with kids, he has a host of friends, and he lives nothing like a hermit. But throughout those busy days, he says, he always checks in to what he calls his inner Thomas Merton, an inner, creative, imaginative, questioning, praying person who is forever seeking and knowing God. Now, if you go onto our church Facebook page, I've put uh, a video of uh, this fellow talking about his experience in New York City praying on the subway. And I've asked you to write down where you pray most. This morning, someone told me in church that they pray most when they're up in the clouds flying to the next business destination. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Hamlin quotes Merton's essay, Firewatch, that was written in 1952, in which Merton is spending the night alone with God at some monastery, and, and he prays this, There is no leaf that is not in your care. There is no cry that was not heard by you, O God, before it was uttered. There is no water in the shales that was not hidden there by your wisdom. Hamlin says he tries to echo that kind of faithfulness in his busy urban world. This is the way he thinks of it. There is no baby crying, no homeless person begging, no pigeon flapping its wings, no phone buzzing, no car honking that you, O oh God, do not hear. Isn't that interesting? Merton changed his perspective through prayer. He believed that prayer can happen any place and that it connects us with God and that it connects us with the people and the world all around us as well. This sentiment of Merton's is an echo of Paul's guidance in our passage today. Paul writes, Bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. I'm using the common English version here. Consider what Paul is suggesting in our prayers. First, he says, bring your petitions. Share your struggles and release your anxieties. Unload your burdens in prayer. Turn it over, as the advice goes in any good 12-step program. Turn it over. This is one major relief found in our life of prayer. Turn it over. Now that is the way towards peace. We find relief when we practice turning over our burdens in prayer. And not only for ourselves, on this Care Fair Sunday, we celebrate the way that our life of prayer as a congregation reaches out week after week for so many who are burdened in our congregation, in our community, and in the world beyond. 
But of course, prayer is not only a source of relief. I love the story about a man who came to see a holy person. He wanted healing. And the holy person listened patiently as the man listed all of his complaints, his petitions. And then he asked, well, do you really want to be cured? The man was shocked by the question. He said, well, of course I want to be cured. Why else would I have come? To which the holy person replied by saying, well, most come not to be cured. That's too painful. They come for relief. But Paul does not only guide us toward the relief of letting go with our petitions in prayer. Paul also challenges his readers to focus. And I think this is another gift of our Care Fair Sunday. We don't only offer petitions for each other. We encourage each other into better spiritual health. And the practice of prayer is a practice of focusing. When Paul said to offer petitions and thanksgiving, that thanksgiving is a key to changing our focus. Instead of asking, is my cup half empty or half full? Prayer challenges us to turn our cup upward towards the waterfall of smaller blessings that God sends in a steady stream to us day by day. I preached about that last week in the chapel on an attitude of gratitude. Now, uh, I'm sorry, Sox and Cubs fan, that we're no longer in the World Series, but can I use a baseball illustration? Is that all right with you? The great slugger, Hank Aaron, he was asked one day why, when he went up to the plate, he had his trademark label, he would turn it face down away from him. And he said, well, when I go up to the plate, I'm not going up to read. I'm going up to hit. You know? He's got his focus. It's an act of focus for him. And prayer takes our petitions and turns the label away. Thanksgiving teaches us to focus. The common English translation of the Bible puts it this way. Focus your life on these things all that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, all that is worthy of praise. Boy, our world leaders need that today, don't you think? Not not only them, you and I need that as well. Prayer is the practice that keeps God first in your home. We turn over our petitions, and then thanksgiving changes our perspective. These are the two moves that I'm sharing with you from Scripture today, our petitions and our thanksgiving in prayer. Friends, we all know anxiety and struggle, but when we share petitions and thanksgiving in prayer, we're able to come out with a newfound focus. Uh, I like to think of prayer the same way that a Methodist leader named Bruce Blake thought of the church. 
He said of the church, and I can say about prayer, it is a tunnel and not a cave. You go into a cave and you come out in the same place. You go into a tunnel and you come out in a different place. Prayer, like the church, leads us toward the light that our younger children sang about today. And after years of focusing practice, a Christian comes to learn that the light at the end of every tunnel is the love of God in Christ Jesus. This word I deliver to you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.